Welcome to the Art and Science of Joy podcast. This podcast is all about inspiring people to live more joyfully. So if you're seeking a bit more joy in your own life or seeking to bring some more joy to the lives of others, then this podcast could well be for you. In the second series of the podcast, we're focusing on joy's superpowers, special powers each and every one of us can cultivate in order to navigate these turbulent times in which we live. I'm Andrew Cannon, and I have the honor to be your host. In each episode, I'll be inviting our guests to share their words of wisdom on a specific joy superpower. And in this episode, I'm excited to be talking with Larissa Mills, and together we're going to be exploring the joy superpower of preempting trouble with kids. Larissa has 20 combined years of teaching experience in adult education, academic summer school, supply teaching, history, English, and as an intense support teacher consultant through 4Kids Educational Consulting. Larissa is founder of iParentGen.com that helps families find balance with technology, connection, and mental health, and is also founder of Mentally Well HR Solutions, an HR company that primarily focuses on digital and mental wellness. Larissa loves sports, coaches volleyball, has three kids, loves meeting new people and traveling. Hopefully, Larissa will get to do a bit more of that soon. Uh, Larissa is concerned about the future of all children, their mental health and the impact this collectively has on society and is certainly doing her part to address these challenges. Welcome to the show, Larissa. Thank you, Andrew, for having me. I feel really, like I said in our talks, I feel like the pendulum is starting to swing the other way and we're starting to see that our schools can't handle the volume of behavior. Our hospitals certainly can't handle the volume of mental health. So we've sort of swung over here when in the seventies and eighties, it was a little bit more controlled, right? Mm. And we can manage and, it, and there was a lot less, but that was a lot of people are saying it's because we were playing outside more and we were engaged more and we felt more valuable. So when you bring kids inside and you have no play and you're just sitting down and you're wiring your brains up, 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 up all day, mm -hmm. there's nowhere to go, but a, a release. And usually that is unwanted behavior. All right. All right. Well, that's, well, it's wonderful to have you on the show and I'm really looking forward to our, our chat today. So why don't we kick off by you telling me and our listeners about your own journey with parenting? Um, I, I was lucky. I, I think I was really, Really lucky. I had fantastic role models. Um, I think I had a very devoted father, a very devoted mother, and I really got that closeness mm. and, and that bond of security and attachment. Um, I got coached by my father. I uh, probably wasn't as close with my mother, um, but I knew that she, she loved me and that she would call all the time and I moved away and that was hard for my mom. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, you move away. Um, she, she died actually the year after my daughter was born, right. When we were kind of getting back close again mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it, it doesn't get, it changes the grief, but it, it just, you just want to say, you know, Oh, like, Oh, my mom would have loved seeing this. Right. And, and I say that quite frequently. Yeah. So I, I, my daughter just graduated. Oh, my mom would have been like over the moon and, you know, so happy. Yet my dad was here and he's present in their lives. And I hope that that's what I do for my grandchildren. Mm. Um, but in terms of the digital aspect of my turn, 
I was in teaching and I was in coaching. And I just started to see this wavering 180 degrees this way. Where are my kids? Why are there zombies sitting in the seats? Where is the curiosity? Where is the imagination? Where is the, I want to be at school and they're all on their phones. Right. And you notice this shift. It was a, it was within a few years of the introduction after 2007. So it was 2010. We have only ever been in the digital age really with phones for the last 11 years. Mm, The the smartphone. Yeah. Smartphone. Yes. Apple. No. Um, but kids didn't have apples or access to mm. iPads till around 2008, 2009. Um, my daughter didn't have one until she was in grade seven and eight. And my personal journey with that was she kind of just became quieter and disappeared. Mm. And she used to be quite cheery and happy and social. And um, not that she really, you know, which wasn't bad, but I'm like, whoa, you're spending a lot of time in your room on Netflix. I, I don't like this. You're, mm-hmm. Before we were on those cord phones and yep. we would pull the cord into our rooms and talk on the floor with the phone. Yeah. This was different. This was silent. This was just video watching, mm-hmm. which um, several neurologists are very concerned that digital watching, just video watching an extend of two hours a day increases your chances of dementia by 35. Wow. That is insane. That's, that is insane. I think you're about yeah. to see a, a really big change. So my husband, like my husband's in medicine, we're like, this doesn't feel right. Mm. Something just didn't feel right. We made our own value system change in our home. You know, you have to be with your iPad on the main floor. And this was back in, oh gosh, she was 13. This is five, six years ago, I think. Yeah. And then we just had to be very careful in monitoring all phones on the main floor, what, check her phone as 83% of parents don't check phones. Mm. Um, and then I noticed that, you know, we really had to be careful with her phone because she became a competitive swimmer, but she monitored it herself because she had to be up at 5 a.m. Yeah. Right? So if we, she was able to balance it, but I think having sports helped balance it for her too. Mm. Um, but I just noticed there was this big change in her, she became more introverted. So if I sort of try and summarize that, from your own experience as a child and feeling that you had you know a good connection with your parents good upbringing excellent and then you saw some slippage I suppose between that image that remembrance that memory and how you saw your relationship developing with your own daughter Hmm. yeah and at the same time seeing what was happening in the classroom and in sports, it was obvious. It was actually more obvious to me in sports what was happening with fatigue, constant like lack of concentration, um, performance, less success. And soon as I implemented over ten years ago a contract where parents had to sign that their children had to go to bed by nine, mm. they're off their phones by eight, they became better for me. But I became more successful as a coach because the other teams weren't implementing that. Right. <laughs> so I it was actually a really great strategy. Um, and the parents were like, thank you. We want our kids off the phones. I'm like, it's a social choice. It's harder to make a social choice than it is a medical choice, Mm. but now it's become a medical must. And do you find more sports coaches are implementing similar policies now, or is it still fairly uncommon? I would say it's around 30%. It's still uncommon, but we're working on with another side project, another, my other partner for my sports podcast, we're working on Uh, mental skills courses and uh, healthy screen habits for athletes. So um, we are finding that the coaches are coming. They want to take the courses. 
they're interested. So I think that there's a big shift. Mm. Well, that's big good. And, and talking of projects, um, yeah. I mentioned in the introduction, iparentgen.com. And this inspiration, I presume, came from your personal experience and from the teaching. But can you tell us a bit more about, you know, what yeah. is behind that and what's the purpose of the project? I started to do research and I actually wrote a proposal to um, one of the hospitals to gather information about surveying hundreds of thousands of kids to be a huge, it was a huge study I wanted to do. Right. But uh, the government that was voted in at the time was not generous mm. and wouldn't everything was cut. And that was about four years ago. And I decided to try a couple of boards to see if they could get on board, but no, they had even less money. Right. Um, so I started to see that they were constantly on the phones mm. and we were losing children in the classroom, literally losing them to anxiety, depression, bullying, cyberbullying, drugs at a much faster rate than if they were to not have a phone and happen upon these social phases of life at a much slower rate with that their brain could actually mm. process, but their brains don't have these mental skills yet to process all these things, especially the things that they see on a smartphone. Right. If um, I can explain one phone, that's the difference is like a gab phone or a pinwheel phone. Each has no browser, no apps, and they're much better for a younger child. Okay, that was a pinwheel phone and the other and one. Gab. I'm, I, I, I'm affiliate for both because I, I believe that they are far more healthy of a choice and safer choice for children. A smartphone leads almost immediately to some form of addiction. Right. So yeah, and I'm sure we can include some links to both websites. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all on my website. But I decided to, parents just felt lost and they were coming to me and I'm like, um, well, you have to be strict at home. Mm. You have to be consistent. And I kept saying consistent. So I developed the consistent parenting method of parenting. So uh, that includes the bond of attachment with your child and being close with your child and spending the time with them. You can't just be on your phone for six hours a night and they're on their phone for six hours a night because by the end of their life at, with you at 18, that's 18,000 hours that they didn't spend with you. That, that's the, the difference between kids right now being coachable, teachable, and employable right now, they're not, not. And that's a huge, that's a huge gap. And, you know, I think a lot of parents feel a huge responsibility for this. I'm reminded of the quote by Marianne Wilson, Williamson, who said there's no mm -hmm. single effort more radical in its potential for saving the world than a transformation of the way we raise our children. And I found that so powerful, you know, especially today yeah. where there are so many challenges in the mm -hmm. world you know you could think economic social climate technology political and our parents i think feel a responsibility towards helping their children navigate and become adults in a way that can deal with these challenges and i think that's probably a big difference from how things were say 40 or 50 years ago oh yes and we have yet to even discover how phones are even medically changing our brains and how they're medically affecting the neuroscience that's going on and behavior. How, how, does, how is this all this lack of sleep in a teenager affecting them in long-term? We don't know yet. Mm. We don't know yet. We just know that if they sleep four hours less a night, they're going to bed at 2 a.m. 
and they're getting up at 6 a.m. to go to school. You can't survive on that because your brain will actually um, starve for sleep. And you'll just, you'll just eventually not eat, not sleep. You'll be so irritable. You'll need like a week nap. Um, so the kids are just walking around. Uh, we call them zombies, many kids. And, and not only that, Andrew, what's alarming to the speech pathologists and the teachers and where I started to gather information for my book I'm writing um, and why I started iParentGen was language. Right. The children going to school before age four, I think we talked about this, there was the five C's that come, kept coming up. So they can't communicate as well. They can't concentrate as well. They can't, they're not as coordinated as well because they're not as out, outside as much playing. Um, and they can't cooperate and compromise. So it was the five. See, here's the thing. I started to go to, you know, our kids engaged in sports. So we were in a field, we were at um, a, a swimming pool. We were at a court, we were on the ice. And I started to see even parents were more irritable. Mm. And I'm like, what is this linked behavior? What is happening? Is it dual income? No, uh, you know, both parents working. Is it the pressures? Is it inflation? Is it uh, um, parents aren't getting enough sleep? It, like we have to look at all of it, but the direct link was the change in technology. Definitely. And I think, you know, that's a segue into thinking about the role of parents and the role yeah. modeling, because as Carl Jung famously said, children are educated yes. by what the grown up is, not by his or her talk. And I'm reminded of the, the times I've spent in playgrounds where the parents aren't watching the kids, they're on their smartphones. That really breaks my like, yes, you can be on your phone for a minute or two, but let them see you engaged with you. Right? right, because they're getting um, that role model already at that age. Of they're going to come home and do what you do. They're yeah. going to be on the phone. Um, one story that's really startling that that actually pretty much propelled me into iParentGen.com was over at um, my daughter's uh, main swimming pool with it. She would go swimming, so I still had a little guy at home. Right, I have three right. kids, so the little guy I'd put him in the splash pad. And it's like a concrete pad and the, they push the buttons and the water comes down and, mm. you know, all that. And it was fun. He was sitting there going, look at this and look at this. And I'm, I'm engaged. My phone is not in. Right. Nice. Then there's this mom. I see her, her, she has a much smaller child, one in a diaper, but he was still mobile because he was fast. Mm. I remember. <laughs> and uh, my guy was much older, like three or four and knew to come to me, knew not to leave the parking lot. Right. He knew those boundaries by then. So there was a road over by where the entrance was. And, uh, there was a bunch of goose poo all in this, 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 uh, water park and that, and you had to kind of dodge it. Right. Mm. And so my guy was fine. I eyed him as I saw her child run for the road and she was in, uh, the phone. And the water was so loud that I yelled and she didn't hear me. Right. And I'm like, your kid, like your kid. And the other mom noticed too. So we both went for the child and I pick up the child in my nice dress. I'm covered in goose poo. I pick up the child as a car honks and slams on his brakes. Mm. The mom still isn't looking. Right. And I'm sitting here with the, like, I've got goose poo down my arm all over him and he's got it in his hand i didn't realize where it was coming from 
but he had it in his hand and he was just booking it over to the, to the door of the aquatic center. And so I bring the child back and she sees the mom looks up finally after she hears the car screech. I said, she goes, why are you holding my kid? She's going to sue you for abduction. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're getting there. She's like, like, um, well, I was yelling at you to tell you that your child was running for the parking lot and there was a car coming and so did this other mom, mm. but you were on your phone. Right. I said that very clearly. So I ran and grabbed him because my kid's older. I said, if you'd like the video camera to see of your neglect above, feel mm. free. Right. And I, she didn't like that at all. So she, she said, let go of my kid. I'm like happily. And guess what the kid did as she's arguing with me, the kid stayed around my leg. It was interesting. And mm. so finally she asked the little boy, whatever his name was to come over. And she, she goes, well, don't touch my kid. I'm like, if, if we hadn't gone and grabbed your kid, he would have been hit by that van. Right. You're welcome. You Amazing. know, Amazing. Yeah. and I just, my mind, that was it. That's all it took. Wow. I started it. Amazing story. But no, just for our listeners who don't know that Larissa is from Canada that I presume explains the goose poo. <laughs> right. Let's um, add that fact in. <laughs> and there's loads of geese everywhere you go. There you go. Um, right. But that whole, the optics of that scenario have so many talking points. Mm. It's just a cameo, I think, that just, right. You know, you've, either, like, you've got a choice at that point to, to say, you know, do I change or don't I change? Um, right. And I thought. Have that aggression from the parent is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Because, and she saw that I'm evidently helping her kids. I'm covered in goose poo hmm. and I can't even go in and get my kid from swimming. And she was pretty young. So I, I had to ask another mom to go in because right. the other mom had seen what had happened. Mm. The other mom was just as flabbergasted as I was. Um, but yeah, as soon as I said, you see that video camera up there, she took the kid and bolted. She I bolted. said, I'll get your license plate right. because what you did there was neglect. Exactly. And, uh, she didn't like that either. And she took off. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a very dangerous scenario, but that plays out in so many ways every day across the world for sure. So Everywhere. it's wonderful that you have iparent.gen.com set up to try and create awareness of this yeah. issue can yeah. we talk about parenting oh, yeah, styles i know you mentioned your own style a little bit and you now gave this example of a style which we don't recommend and but let's go back a little bit we don't the... recommend letting your kids go ghost poo <laughs> <laughs> definitely not definitely not yeah yeah but let's go back to the 60s and talk a little bit about diana Baumrind and her work yes. on describing parenting styles. And for those who don't know, she described four styles, the author authoritative, the authoritarian, the permissive, and the uninvolved. And this research basically led for many years to this authoritative parenting becoming the parenting mode of choice. Or I think in some countries yeah. it was called democratic parenting. So you have high expectations for your child, but you're also showing a lot of warmth. And so that worked, I mm -hmm. think, for quite many years. But I'm wondering, is that enough in today's world? You know, 60 day, years later, is there another choice? Are there other parenting modes that you would recommend parents to think about? Well, let, let's, yeah, 
maybe if we were to work backwards okay. to ones that I don't think are valuable. So helicopter parenting and protecting your children and shielding your children does mm. not work. Right. It leads to an anxious child and an anxious dependent relationship with you. Um, and they end up actually having a lot of unwanted behavior. Then, mm. if you look at the bulldozing parent where imagine you're the bulldozer and the child is behind you and you're basically shielding your child from any type of failing and any type of challenge. And that's the reason why we see children today with much less resilience. Right. Because of this bulldozing by because the parent. We are protecting them from everything. We are trying to make their little lives perfect, but really doing that harms them more mm -hmm. psychologically. And what do you think about the submarine mode, which is like you're basically going for the first one and letting them explore. But if there is potential danger, you sort of rise up and you're the savior and save the day all the time. I would say that'd be more valuable um, mm -hmm. and more. But I think it's a combination now. Um, you can't be a passive parent because they need you as a guide. They need you as an instructor. Right. They need you as a landing mat. We've talked about being a landing mat yes. for your child, right? You want your children to come to you, not a device or a friend. Yeah. So if you're going to constantly criticize them, criticize them when they come to you, they're not going to come to you. So we That's have to get true. rid of the critical parent. There is the critical parent. Um, the servicing out parent we've talked about, um, I think once where that parent will send their child out to therapy, send their child out to be coached, send their mm -hmm. child out for training, send their child out. But there's one important factor here in the servicing out parenting style, which is the bond of security and attachment with your child. So your child is still going to have hangups with you unless mm -hmm. you're going to put the time in with them. No matter what, any parenting style, if you're not connecting an hour a day or putting your time in and giving them a routine and structure, your kids are going to have some type of unwanted behavior or you're going to struggle through a phase to get to another phase right yeah yeah yeah, yeah so those ones don't work as well what we do see working is yes um is her style more of authoritarian but i would add in consistent more instead and assertive instead of authoritarian you know give them choices let them screw up naturally. Let them choose stuff. If it's not going to harm them, let them have a choice. Yeah. Right? Let, let them, them have make a their voice. own mistakes. Let them yeah. scrape oh, their knees and faster, mm. way faster to learn. Right. Um, but you still need to connect, love, and hug. Yeah. Right. And play, tickling, bonding. Like right now, my boys are getting bigger, but they still wrestle with their dad. And my husband's like, wow, I'm getting weaker. They're getting stronger. <laughs> because it's like they are strong boys now like one's 15 and 6 2 and the right. other one's 10 and barely 5 2 but he's strong as an ox right. but they play they play right they we play connect four we play cards we play games we go to the beach we paddleboard we go fishing with them and yes we're exhausted but you know what they come to us for anything yeah, I love that. I love that bonding. And I love how you're keeping play as part of your parenting philosophy. Yeah. Whereas, Probably know, sports more play now, but yeah, generally play. By age, right? But play sort of in inverted commas play. So it could be cards. Yeah, play golf. Be, we play, yeah. go to the driving range. We, we go to the cottage and we go on the boat. We swim. We are active. We are not fish. down. 
Well, yes, I do. And I actually do the worm and everything. <laughs> Goose poo so and worm. So this is a Canadian but, lady. Everybody is um, I do it. I do that. But my son is really hooked because I think we spoke about um, in Canada, we've been here in Ontario, we've been on three lockdowns. Right. Yes. So in the one lockdown, all the village of parents that we trusted, let our children all walk down to the river and fish because it was social distancing and they could be outside. Mm -hmm. Right. And these yeah. kids got hooked. They were hooked, literally not a pun intended, but they were hooked on fishing. And it was so nice to have them as a group of 10 cross age plage, which doesn't happen anymore. So 10 year olds with 15 year olds. Wow. Yeah. All walk down. Parents get a break. Um, we weren't vaccinated then, obviously. And it has become, they all go down and look forward to catching. Oh, what did you catch? Oh, how, how much does that weigh? And that's an ugly fish or, and, and they notice the garbage right. around them. They get, they get irritated when they see garbage now. And how dare you put a coffee cup in the river? And that's amazing. So it not only has a positive impact on yeah. your relationship with them and on the relationship between the children yes. of the different ages, but it also has a positive impact on the planet. So what can we do? Which is something that? that's important to us. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. And we take them for lots of hikes, lots of hikes and take the dog out and we have animals and any time where you can show and teach them empathy. Um, parents ask me sometime on my website, how do we teach our kids empathy mm. very very simply if you see two kids that are fighting um, or some kid that's very sad uh, depends on the age say oh why is why do you think johnny's sad yeah and they they usually say well i don't know mom you know but i said but maybe you should ask him over to play because we don't want your friends to be sad mm. if you're a good friend you'll go and help your friend mm. and it's just that that's it. Simple as it, that. It's simple. Oh, well, ask, ask Johnny if he can come over on, on Friday and we'll go on the trampoline and go down to the river and fish. Oh, okay, mom. Books it over. Ask, and the mom was like, yeah, he'd been bullied at school. He's been bullied for a while. Mm. And uh, it only takes one, one kid within 16 seconds to stop bullying in its tracks, right? Right. Or, and if you, if it doesn't, it goes on and on and on, but it takes one kid to stand up. And that's what we try and teach our kids because bullying is 44% of kids experience bullying now. Yeah. It's a massive problem, massive problem, but that's mm -hmm. great that that solution, if we can raise uh, a group of kids who are able to be that kid who goes within those 16 well, you, well, you seconds hope. to stand. You hope, you hope, right? That's all you can do. Well, you hope and you, you do your best. That's, yeah. It's, there's a lot of things about perfect parenting, which we could talk about because of there, there is no, I made a mistake the other day. I, I make mistakes a lot, but I'm also, I've never parented in the digital age. I don't have anyone to connect to. Mm. I, I, our parents believe that phones, like, what are you doing with them? Get them out of your heart. They think they're bad. They don't know why, but now they know. Now my my father's generation, he thinks they're going to be the downfall of humanity in all aspects of human connection and technology will make us lazier and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dad, we are already getting lazier when you have grocery carts that take your food in and do your, uh, your tally and you have to pay in your cart. Mm. He goes, good point. <laughs> like, but 
Yeah, I'm, um, I'm a firm believer that at the end of the day, technology is neutral. You know, there's nothing evil about technology no. per se. It's what we do with it. So. Right. We need traffic lights. We need we need to find maps. Yep. It's all about mostly for children staying off until they have been mentally equipped with the right mental skills and coping mechanisms to see nudity, to see violence, mm. to see the girls that are constantly being projected in photos or boys. So now children, uh, I think the Canadian Pediatric Society put out something where now we have the most eating disorders in the youngest age brackets they've ever seen. Mm. Because of the social the images, network images. The, yeah. the imagery, the videos, um, the highest pornography watching is now between 12 and 18 ever before recorded. Mm. Um, and that was pre COVID, by the way, listeners. Right. So, um, so parents have a huge responsibility, right? So let's go back to that responsibility yeah. and let's yeah. focus on yeah. the preempting of the trouble because. Well, preempting is actually harder to do at the beginning, sure. but easier as they get older. So if you're not putting in the foundations of love, the foundations mm -hmm. of connection, the foundations of play, they're going to find as they grow that they're going to waver one way. Mm -hmm. So if they don't feel connected, well, they're going to gravitate and say, who can I connect with? And it'll be a friend that you don't want them to connect with. Right. Right. If it's love, well, who are, if you're not loving them, if you're not talking to them, then they're going to find something or someone to do and talk to. Because if we ignore our children and don't role model connection, they're going to have very difficult times having a job yeah. and being coachable and employable. Um, I think I teach more executive functioning skills to adults in our athletic groups, in our peer groups at schools than I ever have in my life. So let's focus on that, the role of sports just for a moment, yeah. Um, yeah. because we know that, you know, there are different troubles that, that kids have. Yes. And one of them that's grown exponentially over the last 50 years is obesity. Um, according oh, to goodness. the World Health Organization, I think it's approximately 400 million children are overweight or obese. And oh my God. in the US, the prevalence, I think, was 15% amongst two to five-year-olds and the 20% amongst six to 19-year-olds. So oh what my tips do you have for parents concerned with preempting trouble with obesity? Um, three things that we try to always teach um, to our kids, our, our athletic kids, um, in terms of our athletes that we're coaching, is movement. Hmm. We, not, we, we have to move our whole lives. We're not meant to be sedentary and we're, not, we're animals really, right? Right. We are, we're supposed to be walking 10 to 12 kilometers a day, um, sitting for eight hours and then on a phone for another six hours really is unhealthy for your circulatory, your immunity, because actually I learned a really cool thing from Judy Dench watching a really cool documentary, but I'd, I'd done some Im, um, immune system studies when I was in science uh -huh. that we get our immune system every time we walk outside. Right. Was that so, the one about the trees? Oh, I watched that one too. Yes, okay. it was Listen. that one. Yes. What a beautiful thing. Oh, right? that's wonderful. Beautiful. And, and now my kid has one tree. He goes, give me immunity. <laughs> <laughs> so honey, it doesn't quite work that way with right. COVID, but it gives you the proteins and the spores that build up your immunity in your 
in your biome, in your stomach. Right. And especially if you climb the tree to the top, there's much right. more immunity up there, right? Let's, let's right. Go for it. Let's well, stop climbing trees again. Just is, yeah. So let's do three things. One, get your kids outside as much as possible because A, they're going to be better behaved when they're inside. Two, they're going to socialize with other people. Three, they're going to become more confident because they have the social skills. Right. It's a combination. What a huge and benefit. You will have the more they're outside the less challenges you will have as a parent with them and the happier they're going to be in their own self. Because mm -hmm. I, be I believe in high risk play. I believe in letting them play outside and determining their own risk within reason. Like if they're standing in front of a swing and Johnny is about to get schmucked on the other end. Um, yeah. You got to say, Hey, look out. If you stand here. So the next time they do that, they're going to know themselves <laughs> to move out of the way. Um, things like that, but keeping them outside, keeping them signed up for not just sports, but activities, hobbies, get them to use their hands and show them to make Play-Doh and, and sign them up for drawing. And yes, it's going to be busy. And there are great city programs out there. I mean, here our programs are $35 for eight weeks. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And that includes dance. Right. So city programs are, are, are affordable for most, not all. Mm, not all. And then there's your competitive programs. So mm. I don't believe in letting children become competitive unless they want to themselves. Right. Definitely. Yeah, but that, definitely. That, act, that activeness, I think I'm reminded of the podcast we did a while back with Ben Page on forest bathing. And he brought up the statistic, I think, that the average person in America spends only um, 8% of their life outdoors. What? 92% mm -hmm. of our lives on average we spend either oh. in a house, in the office, in the car, in the shop. Wow. Uh, we're so good. disconnected Dad. from nature. Right. I don't want my gravestone to say Larissa spent that much time. <laughs> I'm pretty much outside four hours a day minimum, I think. Yeah. nor your kids nor your kids and i love your concept about high-risk play um i don't know if you picked up on this last week but there was a big celebration in paris i can't remember what sort of yes. centennial or something and and the guy was doing yeah. the the rope walking from the eiffel tower over the river seine so 600 meters balancing on a on a wire and i mentioned this to my daughter oh, yeah. So guess what? I'd spend Sunday with her balancing on tree branches, uh, <laughs> trying to catch her when she was falling. You know? So <laughs> it was it was fun. It was sort of right. low risk, high risk, um, but she just enjoyed well, it so you know, much. That's funny you said that because I just saw in my friend's backyard they have the tightrope, but the top tightrope, so they hold their hands and then yeah. they have the swinging things. And I, we didn't have that as kids. <laughs> that's really because if you're in an urban center, mm -hmm. it actually goes anywhere. Right. And you just tie it between two trees and you're off. Or two posts in the mm. ground. Right. So that that's kind of exciting because no matter what, there's no excuse not to have your kids outside. It's a matter of turning off and installing a control app on whatever device or delaying the device um, and shielding them literally until you believe that they are mentally ready for it. that technology. Because as soon as that window is opened, let me tell you, parents, I'm dealing with so much phone addiction and gaming addiction, social media addiction right now that there is not enough of me. There's not enough of medical um, assistance. There's waiting times for psychologists for two years. Wow. So it's all about preventing. It really is. It really is. And that 
we talked about this one prevention, you know, it's related to obesity and lack of movement, lack of being outdoors. And I suppose the second one I'm interested in is sleep. And oh, again, wow. when we looked at the, the, in the US, the National Survey of Children's Health, it showed yeah, yeah. that around 30% of children in the US don't get enough sleep. And, I would say that that's actually higher. Right. And that was pre-COVID, obviously, yeah. for that. And I'd say it's higher. And they said the under yeah. 12s, when they researched it, who didn't have enough sleep they were less likely to be curious about learning they were yeah. less likely to care about school to do their homework yeah. finishing tasks became a problem yeah one was... task is a challenge right. for kids that are sleep deprived actually mm. writing one page of math is a challenge if and then for the math, older children you had all those things but in addition you had this um agitation this aggression in a way that oh, it's very combative behavior now mm. very combative so what tips can you give parents to ensure that yeah. their parents do get enough sleep or that their children do get enough sleep, as well as the parents say, uh, i still uh, don't know that i still am up late um the first thing we're going to do is we are going to set routines for screens okay in the house if you don't have a routine screen and you just have this willy-nilly let them on it whenever and you're going to try and yell at them to get off that is not going to function well right um i actually tried to let our our grade 10 son do that and i am now about to put in a control app on his because he is good but he's not as good as what i think is healthy enough for him mm. so um he's not on anything bad he's mostly looking up fishing videos or talking to his friends it's not bad but but why like you could now he's busier he's doing other things but i want him to learn that when he has space to be on his own he doesn't need to be on a phone um so that is install a con uh, control app that sets the timer off before an hour before go they go to bed but parents should be doing the personal check-in yeah. themselves yeah. not letting a device put their children to bed like now there's this new device called calm where parents don't even have to enter their baby's room Mm -hmm. the robot keeps the baby on the thing they turn the sound on and they leave so there are less there are less moms spending time with their babies than any other time in humanity wow because of technology and that type of technology frightens me but it did right. remind me of a film and i can't remember the name of the film but it was basically that the humanity had been destroyed and there's one girl who's been brought up by this robot mother so it was quite a scary film but it definitely talked a lot about what you were talking about you know the perfect uh, it's, mother it's here the perfect here, mother in every say. way apart from that warmth obviously was never yeah. snuggle time before bed is the other thing mm. from zero to ten use that 20 minutes 30 minutes telling stories writing in a journal we we actually after he got too old for me to read with him we actually started to draw funny creatures and name them. And then we would tell a story. And now he's really old, at least almost 11. So he really is in books that are far more elaborate. Um, and I, I make sure I hug him and kiss him goodnight. And that's the one thing their parents are not doing. Their kids are just going in their rooms and no one's coming down and no one's yeah. connecting. So control up, snuggle and read make sure they go to bed at a decent time. And if they're not, it's our job to make sure that a teenager goes to bed between 10 and 11, sometimes nine, depending on their activities, but it's our job. So right. if you can't get them to do it, 
then work it away, uh, find a strategy, which I have plenty on my articles and my courses on my website. We have numerous strategies like alarm clocks, timers. Um, I, I always suggest to parents put alarm clock in their room as soon as they're old enough to recognize when it is at one or two, mm. because then they don't want to throw it out. Like I tried with my um, high school student when this started to happen. Yeah. Um, so alarm clocks are definitely helpful. Uh, because there's no excuse that they need right. their my phone out. is my alarm no and for some reason my alarm clock broke about a year ago and i really don't like having my phone i keep it on the floor because i don't have it so i gotta go and buy one i really don't like it yeah yeah i just don't want it around me and i don't want i want to be able to wake up to that rant 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 rather than the <laughs> phone but, yeah giving the children that bond of security and attachment and the snuggling before bed releases mm -hmm. oxytocin which is your love hormone right yeah. and it's so important for your brain to relax because if you were to let them on a device they only fall asleep because they're exhausted and there was a survey done um in china i believe of kids staying up on their phone like i think it was thousands of kids and they were saying that we're staying up all night and finally parents installed the control apps and they said no 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 because you have eight hour 12 hours their days are different Right. Because they go to school, then they stay for sports and they stay for yeah. their, their master classes and stuff like that. So I think if the, the Chinese are, <laughs> are, are worried and, and they invented a lot of this tech and they invented the mm. TikTok and they don't even let their own children on TikTok in the China. Right. Just something right. they gave to us to keep us yes. occupied while they rule the world. Yes, well, we won't go whole, into that discussion. That's a whole other app. <laughs> That's, that's, a, that's a whole nother podcast episode. But I think as long as you are connecting before bed, that really gives them reassurance before they go to sleep. Right. And it is, it gives them actually helps prevent them uh, mental health issues as they grow. And it's also good for the parents. I remember we had again a, a podcast guest a while back called Kim Jocelyn Dixon, who's you know, oh yeah expertise is reading and she was really important on this bonding moment before bed not only yeah. for the benefit of the child but the huge emotional benefit it gives the parents once you get into yeah. that routine oh it's a win-win and these memories live forever you know when this kid is going to be an adult she's going to talk when you know grandma read to me and so on yep. and, and this will help what you talked about how this goes from one generation to the next so that reading of favorite stories can yeah. carry on stroking your face i remember my mom stroking my face mm. that touch I, that like and i would do and my daughter she would hold my her hand on my face for three or four years and that and the doctor said that's because you you nursed her and you were you were with her before she went to bed for almost for four years well, i know we're talking about preempting as the main focus of our talk today. Yeah. Just if you do have some tips also for parents who are sitting there and thinking, oh, no, I've been doing it all wrong for the last five years. Um, that what tips? I had epiphany five years ago, but I'm an older parent. <laughs> yeah, uh, we won't go into that. But let's but, you know, for the parents who are sitting there thinking my kid's already addicted to the phone. I'm addicted already to the phone if they're thinking that. Um, yeah, yeah. What advice do you have for them? Yeah. How can they change that behavior pattern? First, the first thing I would recommend is let's assess how much is too much. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's put that out there. One hour a day is allowed by the Canadian American and British pediatric association one hour, but yet our studies show 
that they're on their phones for four to six hours a day. And a phone does include listeners, an iPad. Right. Um, they are including a screen in that collection of data. Yeah. Now, if your child is on a phone for more than two hours a day, you should read the studies by Dr. John Hutton, because I certainly changed that for my kids. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that medical he's at the Cincinnati hospital in Cleveland. And let me tell you, he's a neurologist and that information about just watching a video mm. instead of talking, the linguistic part of their brains is not developing. So the more hours we allow a child on a phone, the less they're going to develop and be successful. Now that is the actual stat. So if you want your children to be socially coachable, employable, and teachable, then reduce the use. So how do we do that? Mm. Gradually. So, so gradually half an hour less a day and set up a screen time schedule and put a control app on their phone because you want to know what they're on. There is no child that needs to be on TikTok, yeah. right there. And there's dangerous material on TikTok. There's even very mature, put them on child Disney, YouTube. Mm. Don't allow them to just go on YouTube. Right. So really, really set up your phone. So I do webinars about how parents can set up their phones to make them happy. Actually, parents, yeah, make your, because at seven out of 10 times, parents, we check our phones. It's not a good feeling. Mm -hmm. So imagine when a child who has no coping mechanisms developed yet, or psychological basis, foundational methods to use and assess how they feel. Yeah. Right. They catastrophize more quickly than us. Right. right. And so, all of these impulses, all of these emotions, all of them, things, right. Happen. They're all firing. So let's set up a control app. Let's set up screen time yeah. and let's get them outside, get them an online village and an inline village and get some play dates happening. Every Monday they go to Johnny's house. Every Tuesday they go to Sally's house every Wednesday. And you, if you rotate play groups like that, they saved me 10 years. Uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, it was so helpful and the kids were so stimulated and they had so many hours of play. Yeah. Right. Takes a little bit of effort, obviously, but it's not a huge, it's not a huge effort. It's not a huge, it's effort. just little tiny changes, mm. but I do have a, a 30 day detox program for parents to use and learn. It's an hour um, uh, preparatory. And then I take you week by week on how to do it in 30 days. Cause 30 days is actually more gradual yeah. than the two week. Um, and if you speak to an addiction specialist, they do it in 30 days or 60 days. Yeah, definitely. Because the habit changing takes it's time. Habits. It takes time. And, you know, it's just like giving up any addiction or changing yeah. that most people normally quit before that change yeah. actually becomes natural. It becomes the new yeah. habit. Yeah. My modules set parents up to be successful because we look at all the aspects of the balance. So chores, activities, sports, friends, and your bond with them. If you're not putting those five components into your routine, actually the detox won't work because mm. they will need to offshoot their energy some in some way. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's an yeah. amazing resource. And I'm sure, you know, our listeners can, can go to your website and yeah, find lots there. of useful information to help. Actually it's own. for free all October. If they sign up on our website. There you go, listeners. What what more can yeah. you ask? Free. I, that's and actually effective. just ironic because I just did that like two days ago. So perfect timing. Perfect yeah. timing, listeners. You lucky yeah. people. Well, Larissa, unfortunately, that's all we got time for today. Yes. Um, and I'd like to thank you for coming on to the show and for sharing not only your wisdom, but your passion for this subject. It really comes through when I talk to you. 
oh, how passionate you. you are about this. So thank you so much, not only for talking to me, but for the great work you're doing, obviously, for all of our kids. Thank you. It really is. But before you go, just one question. What brings you joy today, Larissa? Hmm, today. Well, today I'm excited because both my kids made it through their tryouts and I'm going to go enjoy watching them battle again. And what are they trying out for? Um, hockey, hockey, like uh, competitive hockey teams. And um, it's, it's amazing to wow. watch because they really don't have the background and they're doing well. And I'm, I'm just proud. I don't care how it, how it ends. Yeah. They progressed through a tryout, which is amazing what you want to see. Yeah, uh, athletically, um, and they have such endurance for it, a medical, like mental endurance for it. So I'm, I'm proud of that, um, and I'm also happy I get to go for a walk down by the river today. That is a win-win, win-win. Lots of wins happening there. That's such a beautiful day. Yeah, um, joy to be had. So tell me a little bit about the book. When's it out? Do we have a title yet? Yes, we do have a title now. It's called The Silent Family. Ooh. Yes. Now, the publisher wanted to go with The Silent Family Killer, but I thought that that would come up wrong in <laughs> searches. So I'm like, yep. let's not go there. Um, no, this is a book about providing routines, a uh, little bit of safety features. You know, what is luring? What is grooming? Yep. Um, what is the sextortion? What is sexting? How to prevent it? How to watch for it? Nude photos? What to happen when all of these horrible things start to happen? But also how to prevent all these things from right. happening. Because our kids really shouldn't be seeing this under the age of 18. No. Um, and how to get them active, how to build resilience, how to build emotional intelligence all before the age of 10. So I try to give parents those little tips on self-talk and resilience because those help those children develop yeah. such strong senses of self by age uh, 10. And then the book also talks about a family screen plan um, and how families can look at their values and their value system and figure out what your family screen plan is. And I believe, I hope it'll be out in February. That was going to be my last question. When can we expect well, to, to find it? Yeah, I keep changing it, but they keep telling me you can't make it perfect. I'm like, yeah, I can. So no, perfect's not good. It's good enough, Larissa. We know it's going to be good enough. So get it out there. Parents need it now. <laughs> I know. It, I, it now. took me the pandemic to write it. It was crazy. So February it is, listeners, I'm holding Larissa to that. And I will Maybe. personally go to calendar, Canada and Maybe. make sure she does it. Um, so I hope you, our listeners, feel inspired and empowered by my chat with Larissa today about the superpower of preempting trouble with kids and how you can use it to not only add more joy to your own life, but to the life of your children as well. And if so, please, please visit iparentgen.com to find out more about how parents and their children can balance their lives with tech. And we'd love you to hop onto social media for a little bit, not for too long, just for a moment and using the, the timer on joy superpowers share your ex own experiences with preempting trouble with your children and if you don't already do so please follow the art and science of joy on instagram facebook and linkedin come and join in the conversation and help us spread the joy thank you once again for listening and i hope you tune in next week for the next episode of the art and science of joy podcast when we'll be exploring the joy superpower of collaboration in the company of patrick aylwood <laughs>